morning, church. You are all looking wonderful in this new year of 2017. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll just dive right in. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for touching each one of us. And Lord, may we open up our hearts and our minds to be able to receive what you have for us here today. I thank you that all distractions are gone, that we can focus on you. Lord, I just thank you for speaking special to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to start this morning by reading in Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. It says, he began, this is Jesus, and Jesus began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. Then cut it down. Have you ever found yourself in like a dry place or a stagnant place where it seems like you're not producing You're not producing the fruit that you believe that you should be producing. That maybe it's a place where God seems really, really far away. Have you ever been in that spot? I know I've been in that place where it seems like everything's just, you're just going through the motions. You're stagnant and you need a fresh start. You know, like we're in 2017 now and this is the first time me putting this earworn mic on in 2017. And so, uh, you know, for me, I want a fresh start to this year, a fresh start, something different, something that produces something different. Now, how many could say that 2016 was, it was good. Hey, that's, that's pretty good. Now, some of you, you know, maybe it wasn't so hot. How many is thinking that 2017 is going to be better than 2016? I am in a room with a bunch of optimists. I love it. This is great. This is great. Either optimist or you have faith. You have faith moving forward that things are going to get better. Or maybe your 2016 was so bad that you're like, it just can't get any worse. It's got to go up from here. It can't get any worse than what it was. But maybe, you know, if you're like me, I want something fresh, something new. Not that 2016, you know, was bad because it wasn't, it was good for me. And for what, uh, you know, my growth and, and my growth with the Lord and, and walking with the Lord, I, I, it was great, you know, but I'm looking for something fresh. But maybe you've, you've got a situation going on where it seems like, This situation is not changing, and it is not producing, and it's not getting any better. Or maybe you have a relationship that got stagnant or went bad or went sour, like the milk carton in the thing that just left too long, that got left too long. And have you you ever drank drank anything sour, you know, and, and it was bad? I remember once, boy, this is a real side note here, sidetrack, but... I remember once I had this apple juice 
And I used to really love apple juice. Uh, you know, growing up, I, you know, we had uh, fresh apple juice. And we would get that natural kind, you know, some of the stuff would settle on the bottom, you know. So we would shake it real good and then pour it. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You know, some of you look at me kind of confused. If you've never done that, you know, you got to get the natural kind because some of the stuff settles on the bottom. So there was a little bit left in this apple juice thing, and I saw some stuff down there, and I thought it was just the stuff that settled. Guess what? It wasn't. Well, I shook it real good thinking, you know, we're good. And I just, there was only a little bit left. So, you know, and it's one of those, you know, dark brown containers. You can kind of see through it still and see a little, you know. But I I didn't pour it into a glass. So it was like, okay, bottoms up. And that thing went down. And afterwards, there was this aftertaste. It's like, it it tasted a little funny. Well, about an hour later... I knew that wasn't the normal stuff floating around in the bottom of that. So that had been there in the refrigerator a little too long. It had gone bad. So stomach gramps and several you-know-whats later, you know, I realized I'm never going to do that again. I'm always going to pour it out into the glass and look at this thing and evaluate this thing because, you know, i got to make sure. And, you know, when it comes to our relationships, other situations, maybe it's a job situation, we have to be in an evaluation, kind of, we have to look at things, and we have to face some truths, and we have to look at it so that we don't get stagnant, we don't go sour, or that situation, that relationship doesn't go bad. How many can say you need a situation or a relationship, and you could use a fresh start with that, just by raising your hand, you say, I could use a fresh start, this message is for you. And if you didn't raise your hand, don't worry, you're going to get something out of this anyways. In Jesus' name, I have faith. Remember, we're optimists in here. We're all optimists. We all got faith. We're moving forward in 2017. And this message right here is going to help you in one way or another. I believe that. You know, this parable that we just read that Jesus was talking about is just these you know, four verses sitting right here, and it's in the middle of all these other things in the chapter and, and, and everything, and it's almost just obscure, and it's like he doesn't really say anything else about it. It's not mentioned anymore, but yet this thing is just packed with all kinds of stuff in it, this parable right here. Because the parable of the barren tree, which most people refer to this parable as the parable of the barren tree, gives us a glimpse of three principles that we need to apply to our relationships, you know, situations, job situations, whatever it may be, you know, our walk with the Lord. We need to, uh, you know, stations in life, you know how we move from one station to another, maybe, you know, a promotion or, or this or that, or maybe we move from job into retirement, whatever it may be, you know, this parable right here and the principles that, that, that we see in this can help us moving out into something new, that can break us into a fresh start, can look at, if you apply these principles to a relationship or, uh, you know, a, a job situation that needs that change, this right here can help. There's three, these principles are grace, truth, and time. One more time, grace, truth, and time. Now, we've talked about grace before, we've talked about truth, we've talked about even time before, and it's been, but we're going to talk about with this series here of grace, truth, and time, how that these three go together and they go hand in hand. And you've got to have all three together for that fresh start to be effective, for that start over to take place. 
for it because it's necessary for growth. These three ingredients are necessary. If you throw one out, you can get stagnant. You can apply grace by itself and apply grace to a situation. But if you have not applied truth in time and you just apply grace, sometimes it won't change. Things won't change. And you wonder why, because you're like, wow, man, I'm doing what I think I need to be doing. But we miss the other two. So let's get back to the parable and look at this. Number one, these are the principles we learned from the barren tree. The tree didn't deserve another year. It didn't deserve. It had three years to produce, but the tree didn't produce. And it didn't deserve another year. What did it deserve? A good old chainsaw. You know, it deserved the axe. It deserved to come down. Now, how many know, you know, Christ, he went to the cross for us. He died for our sins. All the things that we had done wrong. And he forgave us unconditionally and he did it like that. Just just so quick, so fast. He doesn't hold. He doesn't hold the bitterness. He doesn't hold unforgiveness. He does what you and I can't do. It's the speed on which he can forgive. Because our natural bodies, especially when something's been done to us and is very egregious, we cannot forgive it just like that in a second. It takes us a little bit more time. But God, he does it in a split second once someone turns from. In other words, they repent. They turn from. That's all gone. He's already paid for it. It's on the cross. Boom. It's gone. He can do it so fast. But us, what we've done, how we walk, when we were in darkness, as Paul said, he said, you were, you once were. And when we were in darkness, when we were living for ourselves, when we were living for the enemy, we weren't living for God. Did we deserve unconditional forgiveness when we came to God? Did we deserve it? When we came to him, when we gave our life over to him, did we deserve it? No. Have you ever done something so bad to somebody and they forgave you and you're just like, I don't deserve it? You know, we've all been there. I yelled, I screamed, I shouldn't have done that, you know, or whatever it was. It was so bad. You know, you lost your temper or whatever it was and they just, they just forgave you. You know, that doesn't work in that other person, in that person when you forgive. It does that work. But the grace that we receive from God is the same grace that we need to apply to others. It's the same grace that Jesus poured out or that God poured out on David after Bathsheba. How many know what I'm talking about? It's the same grace that he gave to Peter. And I want to look at this. Peter had been told by Jesus, okay, that he was the rock that the church was going to be built on. He said, thou art Peter and you are the rock that I'm going to build the church on. And, and, you know, Peter's like, I'm probably, he's probably thinking, what does all that mean? Number one. And then number two, he's thinking, wow, this is cool. Jesus gave me a position, you know, in his kingdom. And he thinks I am the rock man. You know, so he's probably thinking that I don't know what it means, but it's cool. You know, and he's real excited. In all likelihood, this is probably what's going through Peter's mind. Because he is now 
going to be the one, the rock. But then Jesus says, you know what, Peter? You know, later on, he says, you're going to deny me three times. He says, no way, no way. But what does Peter do? He denies him three times, three times. Peter, at that moment, after he denied Christ, how do you think he was feeling then? He was feeling the lowest of the low of the low. And now Jesus had died. They didn't, you know, and, and now Christ, he, he, he raises again. He comes back, you know, and he starts revealing himself. Christ reveals himself to the disciples. And then again, he reveals himself to, the, uh, to, to Peter. And he's on the boat, and John, they're on the boat and they're fishing. Is Peter that rock at this moment where the church is being built? No, he's out fishing. He's fishing on the boat. Jesus says to him, calls out to him from the shore, put your net on the other side. They do it and all that. You know, and G- then John says, this is the Lord. Peter's like, you're right. He throws his garment off, dives in the water. He goes straight for Jesus. He's like, whoa, I wish that I knew what the conversation was then at that moment. Where Peter hits the shore and it's just him and Jesus standing right there. Now, see, Jesus had appeared before. He had appeared to everybody. And he had spoken to them, and then he, psh, he was gone. But Peter, he's on this boat. He dives off. He goes in, and then they start eating. They're eating. So the disciples are gathered there. And then we pick up in verse 15 of John 21. Watch this, guys. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. How many has ever read this and gone, what in the world, why in the world did Jesus ask him, or that three times, do you love me? How many has ever wondered what in the world he's doing? What he was doing was he was saying, you are the rock that I'm going to build the church on. Go shepherd. Go shepherd. I don't care what you did. I don't care that you denied me. I don't care that you messed up. Why are you fishing on a boat? You need to get your act together and shepherd. What he was doing was giving him grace. Grace is God's empowerment. It empowers you to do what you're supposed to do. 
And he was saying to Peter, stop going back to your old life of fishing. I don't care. I didn't call you to do that. I called you to be a fisher of men. I'm giving you the grace right now. And I'm saying, stop and get to doing what you're called to do now. I believe without this conversation, notice, listen, when Jesus appeared, he didn't talk to a disciple one-on-one in the way that he talked to Peter. It didn't happen. He talked to Peter like this for a reason, because he knew if he didn't, and if he didn't give him that grace, he would have stayed in his old life If you want a fresh start, you've got to leave your old life behind you. You can't look in the rear view mirror. You can't stare at that thing. You've got to leave that all behind and receive the grace of God and move forward with what he's he's called you to do. If it's a relationship that's messed up and you know you're supposed to be in it, stop looking at how bad it was and get a fresh start and get the grace on it. And if you know for sure, why am I in this stagnant relationship? I shouldn't be get out of it unless you're married come talk to me (laughs) or better yet talk to dad (laughs) things can seem really bad things can seem like it, it just can't change i no matter what i do i'm not producing fruit or this thing where i'm in right now it's not producing. I'm stagnant. This relationship's stagnant. Whatever it may be, it's just, it's bad. But church, you can find grace from the Lord. You've got to have that conversation with the Lord, just as Jesus had this conversation with Peter. And it may be something you don't understand. You're going to the Lord. I don't know what's going on. But in the things you start to receive, the things you start to hear as you get into the word, as you're reading the word, as you're praying, and as the thing, and you may not totally understand it. Listen, Peter didn't understand it first. That's why it says he was kind of grieved because why are you telling me this the third time? But see, after that, it sunk in because it was the third time because how many times did he deny him? Three. He had to ask it three and make him respond three times to undo it. Amen. Sometimes we don't give enough grace. We don't give it enough times to undo all the mess that we've come from. But if we can get that word from the Lord and see, sometimes we think, well, TJ, I I set a time an hour and I got in the word and I prayed and I didn't hear a whole lot. Go again. Go again. How many times? It was three for Peter. I don't know your number. Just keep going. Just keep going. The number for Peter was three because of what he had done. But I I don't know what that number is for you. Keep going to receive the grace from God that you need. To be able to do what you know that you're supposed to do. I'm talking to somebody right now. There's some things that God, you know, you're supposed to do. You know the right thing, but you're not. Get before God. Mm, Hear me on this. See, here's the other thing. Some of us have gotten messed up to where we need an embrace. See, when you go to God, the grace that he gives you, it is his empowerment. Yes, it's also his mercy. 
He comes in with an embrace. You can get grace from an embrace. We can make a song out of that because it rhymes. Sometimes we need grace. We need an embrace from the Lord, receiving that grace, an embrace from others around us. Some of us try to do it all on our own, do it by ourselves. How many know what I'm talking about? We get that pride thing going on. We don't want to admit anything. We don't want to tell somebody else. We don't want them to think bad of us. We don't want them to think that, oh, we're, you know, we're not doing it right or this or that. When what we really need to do is just start spilling our guts sometimes. Right? How many know what I'm talking about? So that we can get, we can tell the person, and that person can embrace us by, by encouraging us and lift us up and saying those kind words, those loving words, those encouraging words that we need to hear. But we can't do it if we're not able to spread our arms wide. Just as he spread his arms wide for us, we spread our arms wide for him and for others. And we embrace others. Give them that grace. It's his grace that protects us. It's his grace that protects us from the enemy. The second truth that we see in this parable is grace is not enough to start over alone. Truth is required. Truth is required. Church, the truth of the parable is that the tree was bearing. It, it was barren. It was not going to bear any fruit. Buying the tree more time would have done no good if the manager wasn't going to do what? You know, break up the ground. Unless the manager faced the truth that this tree is barren and it's not going to produce any more fruit and time alone because I've given it three years, something's wrong. I don't know if, you know, he had to dig around. Maybe there's some rocks in the way that is, you know, making it and the ground's maybe too hard, just needs to be churned up or something. The water's just not getting down to the roots. It doesn't have enough. But something needed to be done. He had to face that truth. He couldn't just give it grace and say, we'll give it grace. It's okay, tree. It's all right. It's going to be okay. And then just walk away. We're going to give you some more time. No, it wasn't going to be enough. He had to face the truth. And he had to put his hands to the ground and do something. Get this. John 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, grace and truth go hand in hand. Verse 16, for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. See, we go to the Father in the name of Jesus, and when we pray to him, and we go to him, we receive grace, but we've got to face the truth of where we're at right now. We've got to face the truth of where we're at in the thing we're praying about, whether it's the relationships or the situation or here or there or whatever it may be. We've got to make sure that we apply the truth with the grace, because without it, grace alone is not going to change anything. Let me give you an example. I have four children, and if I decide, you know, I've told them to do something in the house. They're going to clean house. 
This is cleaning day. I want you guys to clean house. I go away, go upstairs. They're supposed to clean that, that house down there in the middle level. It's a couple hours later, I come back down. I kind of look down the stairs, look down. Nothing's been done. This house looks like a pigsty. A tornado went through this house. What in the world? And they said, and I told them. I Did I not tell them? I empowered them. I gave them. The, I told them where the cleaning supplies were. I told them how to do it. I've trained them. I've done all these things, but they're not doing it. Well, we'll just give them a little more grace and go back upstairs. Church, is the middle level going to get clean? Mm-mm. They either forgot or they're putting it off or they're just outright disobeying. I don't care which one, they're in trouble anyways. I'm not going to go back upstairs because a little bit more time is not going to change the situation that I need changed. I obviously need to do more than just give them some grace. And we won't talk about the truth that, I'm go- that I was going to give them. Let's look again, John chapter 8 this time. The adulterous woman, verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commands us that, uh, that such should be stoned. And what say you? In verse 6. They, this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he didn't even hear him. In verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He... Uh, Uh, that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Verse 8, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Get this now, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but but the woman, he said her, said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? Verse 11, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. There's the grace. Here's the truth. Go and sin no more. Now, what if he had left off that last part? Now, think about it. What if he had left off the last part of go and sin no more? If he had just said, neither do I condemn you. She could have been like, cool, I can do it all I want. Woo-hoo! No, he had to give the truth with the grace because without it, she wouldn't have got it. She wouldn't have understood Grace and truth go hand in hand. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God gives grace when he saves you. The truth is you didn't do anything to earn it. You can't. It is a gift. Salvation is a gift. The grace is, is that he's died on the cross for you. He's forgiven you of all your sins and he's given you this thing called salvation. The truth is you can't earn it. Grace and truth go hand in hand 
Every single time you can find wherever you find grace, you will find truth with it. And this is where many churches and many Christians have gotten off because they've got into grace and they left off the truth and then they get into error. And they think, oh, this is a grace church. It's okay, honey, what you did. It's no problem. Just just tell the Lord it's okay. We got to give the second half of that. Well, don't keep doing that. Amen. Back to the parable. Luke 13, verse 8. And he answered and said to him, let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. See, there needed to be that digging. There needed to be work put in to try and improve the tree so it could bear fruit. He knew this. This was the truth. He couldn't just give it more time. He couldn't just give the grace. Maybe there were weeds and other plants that were crowding out the tree. All of these things that this where the tree couldn't get the nutrients. Maybe the soil just needed to be turned over. It was too hard. This was the truth. And sometimes with you and me, when we're stagnant, stagnant and we're not producing fruit, sometimes we need to break up the ground. That's on the inside. There's some work that needs to be done. We need to allow the Lord to do some work on us. We need to talk with some others. We need to come in and hear the word on Sunday morning and allow the word to pierce our hearts and get something, you know, ground up within us. Get it all broken up so that we can hear again, so that we can move on, so we can get out of stagnation and start walking in the truth in the life that he's called us to walk in. Because that's how it's supposed to be. Every step I take should be one of life, of freedom, should be of liberty. Should I should have the joy of the Lord. I should be walking in the joy of the Lord. If I'm not walking in the joy of the Lord, something's off. And it's not that every minute of every second of every day, everything's just going to be peaches and cream. And we're going to have the Sunday with the whipped cream with a nice little cherry on top with the little sprinkles. And woo. it's not always going to be all of that. But. By and large, most of my day, throughout my day, I should be walking in the joy of the Lord because I am walking in the grace, the truth of the Almighty. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. There was this little phrase, i got to say this, I know we're running low on time, but there was this phrase uh, when I was doing youth ministry that started towards the end of the youth ministry. And um, this one uh, young person came in and said, and they saw the snack that I'd gotten for later. And I don't remember what it was, but it, it was some sort of snack. And we'll just kind of pretend it was Doritos, you know. So we had to, and it was kind of like, they said, Doritos is life. I was like, okay, delete it. No, it's not Doritos Tastes great. They're awesome. I've even heard, you know, that old one, Doritos are the bomb, yo, and all this stuff or whatever. I don't know, but this was like, they, they attach life to everything. It, their favorite band, whatever it was, this band is life. And they would just say everything was life. It's like, well, I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but I didn't know all these other things were life too. It was their way of saying that everything is awesome, everything is... That's how, I don't know why. (laughs) They were just loving life. 
Everything was life to, it was just, wow, this is so great. This is so awesome. This is so good. I almost felt like they were going back to the sixties and everything was just, woo, and all the colors and, and all the, you know, the flowers and the long hair and the flowing, you know, that's kind of how it felt with this person. And then it just started catching on and everybody started saying this phrase, this is life. This is life. This is life. I'm like, what's not life? But you know what? It was a good thing in the sense, I mean, I know it was just a little phrase for them, a little, but they were enjoying themselves. They were walking around. Everything was great. Everything was wonderful. When we're stagnant and we're not producing fruit, we need to face some hard truth sometimes about how you got to where you were. How did I get here? How did that tree get to this place where it's not producing? How did that tree, what's wrong? See, we can apply grace, but we've got to have the truth of the, what's going on so we can start working on it. We can work that ground. We can fertilize that ground. We've got to take a look at our mind, our spirit, about everything. What needs to be pulled up? What are the thoughts that need to be pulled up and gone? Mm, more on this next week. Verse three, or number three. Time is necessary. Oh man, time is a necessary ingredient that goes hand in hand with grace and time. Have you ever heard that phrase, time heals all wounds? Have you ever heard that? It's the biggest load ever. Because time does not heal all wounds. What heals your wound is grace, truth, and time. It's all three. Time alone won't get it. Yeah, you might, you know, because see here, let, let, me, let me tell you why. We'll take the marriage relationship. Me and my wife. I get mad at my wife because she did something to me and I'm upset about it. Okay? And, you know, she walks away and maybe she even says something like, well, you're just going to have to deal with it and walks away. And now I'm just all upset. Is time going to heal all that? No other words are said. And we just, time will make it all better. Now the initial angry feeling, maybe my face turned red, the veins were popping or something, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe all of that kind of comes down some. But what starts sprouting up? This weed of bitterness. And what starts happening? Maybe I'm a little short with her. I'm singing other little things. It just starts affecting things because of this one instance and I don't properly take care of it. I don't put apply grace and truth to it. All I apply is time and that's it. Time is not going to heal the wound in and of itself. Time does not heal all wounds. It's a fallacy. It's totally false. You've got to have grace and truth. Look at Luke 13, 9 again. If it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Grace and truth was going to be, was applied before that. The ground, I'm going to fertilize it. I'm going to do all this. The graces, I'm going to give it a second chance. A third chance, whatever, how many chances this was. I'm going to give the tree another chance. I'm going to face the truth. I've got to do some work here. We've got to break this up. And now we're going to give it some time and see what happens. Grace, 
truth, and time. The reason a lot of times that we give up on grace and truth is because we don't allow enough time with it. We'll apply grace and truth and we want instant results. Kind of like when we go through the drive-thru, you know, or whatever, the fast food restaurant that ain't so fast anymore, it seems. Oh, don't get me started on that. John 15, 5, I am, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. This is our, we want to bear much fruit, but what does it take? Abiding. Abiding takes time. The word abide in the Greek, it means to remain in or with someone. So you have to remain and it has time attached to it. The abiding is time. And as you're abiding in the Lord, as you're doing what you're needing to be doing, you're, you're in the word, you're praying, you've got grace, you've got truth, you're making changes in your life and you give time. Then the next thing you know, you're producing fruit. And if you think about how fruit grows, you've got to have the right conditions. That, fi- that barren tree it didn't have the right conditions because if it did, it would be producing. You've got to have the right conditions. All three, grace, truth, and time. Every situation that we have, we've got to have the right conditions. Let's all stand. Church, if you need to start over, relationship, job, you name it, you need healing, Or you need to just begin again. You need to start over. And and I want to make this clear about relationships. It may not not be that, oh, this relationship with this person or whatever it is that we need to apply grace, truth, and time. Maybe you've done enough of that. Maybe it just needs to be a different relationship. Amen. Sometimes... We've got to move on. Because see, notice, there is a spot in this parable where he says, if it produces, fine. If not, cut it down. So see, applying grace and truth in time is just not going to fix everything, especially when you're dealing with another person. You can do everything you need to do, but if that other person's not doing what they need to do, There's not a whole lot you can do. And sometimes you have to start totally over. How many are here with me this morning? You're hearing this word and you're like, hmm, this this explains a few things. Maybe you've got the grace, but you haven't got the truth part. Maybe you got the grace and the truth, but you haven't allowed it enough time. How many can identify already what it is? That was me this week. I was like, oh, okay. I've put a lot of grace with this situation. I haven't applied the truth. I didn't apply the truth. I said, God, I need your help so I can apply the truth to this situation. And then over time, I know because I applied grace and truth, I only got half. I've only applied grace and I can't do that. I've got to have truth as well. If you're here this morning and you need to apply truth, 
to a situation where you've just put on grace and that's it. Or maybe there's a situation you haven't even put the grace on. If that's you here this morning and you need to do that, I want you to raise your hand right now. All right, let's pray. Your hand's up in the air and let's pray right now. Father, this morning, hallelujah. We just thank you and we just praise you, Father God. Lord, for you are worthy. You are worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. Lord, when we agree here together, Lord, when we say that your word is true, your word is truth, and we know that in every situation that we face, we have to have grace, your grace, and we have to apply grace, truth, and time to each situation, every relationship in our lives. Father, I thank you that as we step forth from here this morning, Lord, that you will continue to reveal to each one and to our hearts, Lord, exactly what it is, what ground that we need to, to turn up, what, how, how we fertilize, all those things that we need to do so that we can produce fruit. I thank you that every person that has their hands raised right now, that this year in 2017 will be a fruit-producing year in Jesus' name. Lord, they will produce in their finances. They will produce on the job. They will produce in their marriage, produce in their families, produce in every situation that they put their hands to. Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for giving wisdom. Lord, it's that uncommon sense that we need from you. Lord, that as we are wise with all the decisions we make and as we apply grace, truth, and time, Lord, we know that we will prosper. And Lord, I speak that right now over each person here today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.